1: coach jen here and thanks for tuning in to horse tip daily today's tip is an excerpt from the horse.com's weekly horse health report on the horses in the morning the hit crew is joined by the horse.com's digital editor michelle anderson and dr jones for a little chat about keeping your veterinarian happy and healthy and we'll get to that right after this message from equestrian collections
0: It's Glenn, and I'm with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with Equestrian Collections' wintery product of the week.
2: Hi, Glenn. This week I'm talking about the Mountain Horse Ladies Rimrock High Rider Winter Boot. Now I know that the Groundhog said that we were going to have an early spring, but if the weather here in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic is anything uh, like it's going to be for a while, it was darn cold. But so this is this boot is a great boot for you to get right now at a wonderful price. It's just right around a hundred dollars. It has a faux fur lining, so it makes it very warm. It also has some very generous sizing so that you can wear different kinds of riding pants, even jeans underneath it, and you can still get a good ride in. We have several other types of winter tall boots available uh, that you can look at. They're a little bit more expensive, so that's why I thought this was a really great pickup for the end of the year. And we have them in stock and ready
0: to ship. And they're very good-looking, like most mountain horse products are. And you can find them by going to equestriancollections.com and just search for Rimrock, R-I-M-R-O-C-K, and you'll find the Mountain Horse Ladies Rimrock High Rider Winter Boots at equestriancollections.com. And that's right, it's time for the horse dot- And the weekly horse health report. We have uh, Michelle Anderson, digital editor of TheHorse.com, and we have Dr. Jones back with you, back with us. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Jones. Good to have you back. Good to be back. Happy New Year to everybody. We thought we said something that offended you, and you weren't going to come back anymore.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I had obligations to teach a student. I get a student from the University of Florida for their clinical rotation, and. um, those obligations were uh, kind of in the way this
0: time. Sorry about that. Well, no problem. Let's have the student on doing it next time. We'll just torture her instead.
3: <laughs> we have to be nice to the vet students.
2: <laughs> Those vet students, I swear, they're just they're shaking in their shoes when they come ride because they know I give them a grade, and they just look terrified. And they do great jobs, but they just look terrified, the poor things.
3: Maybe <laughs> it's your intimidating demeanor. Oh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Go ahead, Michelle. Did you, with, uh, with having your student there, did you have anything exciting that your student got to see that you were glad that happened while, while they were riding along?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, any of the emergencies the students love, because usually the emergencies they see at the universities are like on death's door or, you know, absolute disaster cases in that respect. So any of the emergencies are great for them to see because they all live, you know. More times <laughs> than not, emergencies in, for an ambulatory vet live. <laughs> As opposed to the ones at the university, which are in dust door, by the time they get there, they usually die. So, no, all the emergencies are great because she was able to see that you don't have to have such a doom and gloom life. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, no. No, there is some
3: happiness to your job. <laughs>
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, the highlight for all the students, which I've had you know numerous ones in the past and I was able to juggle the the show either around them or you happen to have somebody in that week when I had the students, um, they've all been able to do a castration. It all just seems to have fallen into their weeks and that they love doing the castrations. Sorry, Glenn, but they love doing those castrations.
0: Terrific. <laughs> uh,
3: well. This week, uh, I wanted to talk about how to keep your vets safe when they're handling or taking care of your horse. Um, and I'm sure you, with your students around, you talked about safety and body care when Absolutely. when they were riding along.
2: Absolutely. And I so, I'm, I'm so happy you've brought this topic up because that is something we think about. Sometimes we don't, but you should think about it as a veterinarian almost on a day-to-day basis is, am I going to come home in one piece today? So. <laughs>
3: Well, and it really Um, is a matter of life and death.
2: It is. It is. I mean, one mistake is all it takes. And as I've told my staff numerous times over, if I am sick, I am not on my game, and that's when I'm going to get hurt. You know, if I'm distracted uh, because i got a family member that's ill, I'm not going to be on my game, you know, and and I'm going to get hurt. So I always warn my staff members, today's not a good day, I don't feel good, or I'm distracted or whatever, so... Those kind of things well, I, can play into that. Um, well, wait, wait
0: a minute. So on those days, do they wrap you in bubble wrap? Is that what happens?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. No, we get through those days, but uh, I try okay. not to get sick very often. How's that? <laughs> okay,
0: all right.
2: <laughs> well, and and, and thank God, knock on wood, my my mom and dad are still alive and very, very healthy, and, uh, you know, my husband's healthy and my son's healthy, so I'm just knock on wood on that.
3: Well, I have to say, my own vet said he would much rather be on the kicking end of a horse than a kicking end of a cat, so I don't know <laughs> oh,
2: I can agree with that, and probably not on the kicking kicking end of a human because I've heard those stories too, so yeah, yeah. I had to find one of my clients this week told me about how her daughter passed out, who's a nurse passed out when they took blood. She couldn't figure out why she was so long in the room while she was out in the waiting room waiting for her' because she had passed out. Oh no so, yeah, but she can take blood all day from somebody but can't have somebody take blood from her. And then she told me about her daughter who would claw her way out of the room when they went to give a flu vaccine to her when she was young. And she's like, I said, you know what, I don't think I'd want to be on the end of that because them clawing out of the room or kicking you as you're trying to get out of the room, forget it. No.
3: <laughs> so so with, our, with our horses, what kind of training would you like to have horses receive before you show up to take care of them?
2: Oh, can I turn this back around on Glenn and say, Glenn, what do you think is the most important thing a horse should be trained to do?
0: Well, first of all, halter broke helps. Um,
2: Oh, beautiful. My goodness, I don't know how many times I walk up, they're standing out in the pasture with their halter's on, and they're standing there pausing, waiting for me to start my appointment, and I'll look at them and say, do you have a halter? Oh, yeah, that's right, and then they go get the halters.
0: (laughs) How many of them expect you to actually go out in the field and get the horse?
2: I don't I can't say if they're expecting me to go out and do that or if they expect me to treat the animal without the halter on. I I can't figure those people out yet. Honestly.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, or if they're so just having say... a blonde moment. Oh, did I say that out loud? Or if they're just having a moment of lapse of memory that they should get the halter on the horse, yeah.
3: So when you're saying halter broke, though, what is it that you want the horse to do? I mean, it's one thing to get a halter on a horse, but how do you want the horse to behave once it's haltered? Yeah, after
2: all these years, I've learned that when I tell people to halter break their babies, they are so proud when I go out there to start their vaccination program for the babies. They're like, look, I got a halter on them. I'm like, can you get it off and back on? Can you get it off and back on? And get it off, back (laughs) on. They're like, oh, no, we haven't done that yet. Can they lead? with that halter on. Oh, no, we haven't done that yet, but they're wearing the halter. So, <laughs> um, being able to lead, being able to respect the, the halter and the lead rope or a chain if that's necessary. So that means if you, you know, pull down on the lead rope, just a gentle tug on it to say, you know, whoa or stop or whatever, that they respect that. They don't keep plowing over the top of you and myself. And then, of course, the big thing is not being in your space, which a lot of the young ones love that. They kind of climb into your space and kind of dominate you where you need to be respected. And
0: have you actually had place. horses that you just couldn't work on them? You were like, okay, this horse, I just can't get near this horse.
2: Um, yeah. We eventually get the job done, though. We haven't, I don't think there's ever been a place where I have left um, that we couldn't do because um, either they'd rope them and snub him up to a post, and that was back in the days when I was younger and dumber. Um, And I did have a gentleman, though, tell me at one appointment, it was very interesting, I was out for an emergency, he was the next door neighbor, came over, as all neighbors do during emergencies, they come over and watch what goes on, (laughs) and he pointed a few pastures over and said, I need you to um, castrate my horse, I can't catch him. And I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, sir, when you can catch him and put a halter on him, you give me a call. <laughs> I'm not sure really what he wanted me to do with that comment, yeah, but... He had a little
0: gun that was going to do it for you, just, uh, you know, your yeah. horse is castrated, you know.
2: Yeah, I'm just not really sure where he was going with that, but I never heard from him again. I'm kind of glad. No.
3: And the horse is still... Well, uh, I, I... Yeah, I hope the horse got castrated. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> So so the horse can lead, you can catch it, it should be caught before you get there. Yeah, that's a good one. I,
2: I don't see that happening very often. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. I realize veterinarians are late, but my staff is really good about updating on time mm-hmm. and saying if we're running late or if we're actually running early, that would be a joke. But, um, you know, just giving them an ETA of when we're coming, and we're pretty good about giving you within an hour's time period so the horses aren't standing there with halters tied for hours and hours and hours. So that would be really nice to have them ready to go because we, we factor in what we do at that appointment. We don't factor in catching the horse, which can take an extra 10 minutes sometimes, up to 30 minutes to catch the horse, you know. so And if you've got stalls, why not have them hang out in the stall for 20 minutes? You know, there might be one pile of poop in there, but that's about it.
3: Well, So if, when you're actually examining the horse, sometimes you're poking and prodding. What What kind of things can the owner... Prep the horse for before or train for before you're there. Taking so the yeah, I think the next or... step
2: after being Halt spoke would be that you can touch them about anywhere. So what you know, I'm I prefer to babies because those are always the easiest one to refer to. But you can get rescue horses that have had very little touch or maybe have been mishandled. Mm-hmm. So they need to know halter. They need to know what the halter is. Respect your space. Be able to lead with it. Be able to be reprimanded with the lead rope of you know stand still, and standing still is the huge thing because you get them dancing in a circle, dancing in a circle. Um, but being able to be touched anywhere—that means touching on their bottom of their belly and not kicking at you, taking their temperature, which we take via rectum. So being able to take your fingers—yes, it's poop back there—but you know touch around the anus and they're okay with that. You can even take their temperatures and practice that because it's good to know your horses normal temperature anyway, um, fingers, hands in the mouth, uh, of course, don't get bit. But they don't head up when you go touch in their mouth. We've got horses that are very bad about having their mouth touched. I, I, I don't know how these people get bridles on them, but, you know, they don't want their face touched. Um, picking up That's the, the feet reason they fairy. don't
0: want their mouth touched.
2: I'm sorry? Cause they
0: don't want the bridle? <laughs> they don't want their mouth touched, Dr. Jones. You're looking at that back. It's because they teeth <laughs> do in there. That's why.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it could be something's bothering them from the bridle, you, the bit you're using, or maybe it was a previous, you know, if it's a rescue case, it's a previous deal. Um, yeah. Picking up the feet. The fairy would love you if you picked up the feet every day on your horse that had a problem with picking the feet up. you got to do it every day, and you hold it. You pick their feet out. I don't care if the feet are clean. Pick it up and hold it. Pick it up and hold it. Private areas. If it's a baby and we're going to castrate them, we've got to make sure there's two testicles there touch their testicles, you know, manipulate that area. Um, girls in the back end, we need to be able to take a look, at, you know, around the vulva area, and you can actually see the pink on the inside It let you know what their mucous membranes look like. So, I mean, all that, all that stuff, fingers in the ears, fingers, you know, uh, around the eyes, around yeah, just anything.
3: And you mentioned horses dancing around when you're examining them. And I, ha- I have a horse that uh, I can vaccinate him, and he's fine, but my vet shows up, and my vet's very nice to him, but after doing the strangles vaccine up the nose, oh. Oh, the nasal, yeah. he sees my vet, and he turns into a wild monkey. Do you have any suggestions for keeping my vet safe when I'm handling my horse and he sees my vet and loses his mind?
2: Yeah, and that can happen. I, I have now tried to make it uh, as best policy as I can that if I'm going to do intranasal, I do it when they're sedate, which I think mm-hmm. had that discussion once before, is you do their teeth once a year, the um, strangles is once a year, do it at the same time. Uh, that's a perfect time to do it. So yeah. introduce your horse to that when they're sedate, and then there's no bad memory. Um, but, I've got, yeah. yeah, I've got a few that do the same thing. You're supposed to be on the same side as the worker. That includes your farrier that includes somebody taking a temperature for you or you taking the temperature, your handler should always be on the same side as you because if the horse is going to react and try to bolt, you want to make sure they bolt in a circle that circles you too and their butt doesn't swing out and kick somebody as they're circling. Mm -hmm. So if I'm opposite of you to take the temperature and you're on the opposite side of the head and the horse bolts, you're going to pull the horse's head towards you. Next thing I know, I've got back feet in my face. And that's Mm -hmm. very, very dangerous. So that's one thing that you need to know from the get-go is that when people are working on your horse, and that means massage therapist even, or your farrier, is be on the same side. Now, granted, you can't be on the same side when they're doing the front feet sometimes, so you might have to step to the opposite side. But in your situation, Michelle, you could step to the opposite side and touch the shoulder while they're approaching the horse to keep them from dancing away from the horse. The only thing, though, is is now you're in a predicament that if something happens, to horse bolts, you're both on either side and somebody could get hurt. But that's usually what we do. Or we'll use a wall where they just keep dancing, keep dancing, they come up against a wall like in the stall. Um, the other thing we've done, and it may go against the grain of a lot of trainers, but for us, we get our job done, it ends up being a very good experience um, for us and we can start to do it less and less is we'll feed them grain while we're sticking them. Mm-hmm. So Kim goes in first, my assistant, who has a very good way with horses. She's talking the horse. She's getting you know them calm down. The client comes with a bucket of grain. I approach the stall or the hallway or the wash rack or whatever it is to do the vaccination, and by this time they're, they're eyeing me, they're watching me, they know I'm there. They know I've got a needle because that's all I've ever done to them is vaccinate them, nothing else, and they don't like it. But I walk up to do it in their neck, of course, not their rear end because I don't want to get hurt, and they're eating away. As soon as they're taking a good bite of food, I stick them. We've had to use less and less food on some of those horses to the point that the horse doesn't allow us to do it now without
3: moving. Mm-hmm. It, it so will you take a while, but it does work. Yeah. Now, you mentioned your assistant. So for you, when... Is an owner actually detrimental to the safety of you and the horse, and when do you use your own assistant to step in? (laughs) Well,
2: unfortunately, (laughs) in this wonderful litigious society, meaning sue happy people, um, there are cases where veterinarians have been sued because the owner got hurt by their own horse when a procedure was done on them, whether it was an examination, a sedation, a vaccine, or something to that effect. Um, so using my assistant should be all the time, but she is not with me on the weekends for emergencies. And there's times where I have to have the client hold the horse.
0: So is it a good indication when you walk into the barn and there's two empty six packs, is that the point where your assistant steps in?
2: (laughs) Well, no, they probably won't get hurt very easily because they'll just crumple to the ground and, you know, fold up and (laughs) and they'll probably be fine. But, um, you know, uh, no, actually it's the spoiled horse. It's the one, it's the very high energy client who makes me nervous, as, it, as bad as, as they are, makes the horse nervous, and they're very, very high energy, and this horse feeds off of that, and they get really anxious as well. Um, you know, those are nice to, to have a separate way, and they've spoiled the horse where they're running over top, they never respect their space, they don't listen to them. Those are kind of the horses that you worry about the most.
3: So um, when you don't have someone to help you out, if you are a nervous owner, handler, what suggestions or what would you wish them to do instead? Take some deep breaths? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: take some deep breaths. Um, sometimes I'll just have them feed a horse. Even if it's if a it's colic, kind of like they, they're usually pretty depressed and, and there's no reason you know, for us to have to do anything because I had one the other day. who was bad for needles. The client was very anxious and I didn't have my assistant. The horse was choking and I was able to get a needle in him. He didn't even know what was going on because he was in such pain and depression from the choking, you know, that he had no idea that I was standing there sticking needles in his neck to sedate him. So I got sedation from him right off the bat after I did a quick exam. And then I went back to to my exam after I sedated him to take a little more time because then I know he'd stand still, you know, tell the clients to relax, that kind of thing. A lot of times if you can have maybe their best friend uh, who's horse savvy that's there to help them because a lot of times they'll have their friends or their neighbors come over, you can have somebody else hang on to the horse, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But, yeah, those are the times you're going to have some issues. And I'll have to point this out. This was actually a case that we read about because we get get, uh, newsletters on lawsuits for horses. And a lot of times it's for, you know, this or that. And it's malpractice, meaning that if something was purposely done wrong for your horse and it was, you know, in the wrong practice for your horse, that's why we have that insurance. Um, Accidents do happen in, in life, unfortunately, but... There was a case where a gentleman was looking at a horse, went back to his truck to pull up meds, and the horse reared up and kicked the girlfriend's friend in the face. The girlfriend's friend sued the vet for her facial surgeries and such.
0: And he wasn't even near the horse at the point.
2: Exactly. He was at yeah. the truck. Oh. There, so... You know, if you have a horse that's anxious, the veterinarian's there, they may be, get, may be getting more anxious, just keep everybody away. And there was no reason the veterinarian caused any pain to this horse at his truck. So these are, these are the types of things that us veterinarians now have to start worrying about is that clients will possibly sue us for getting hurt. And so a lot of us will have assistants. I've had some clients insist that my assistant, the assistant doesn't hold the horse, and we tell them, no, she will hold the horse. So, um, and that's because of these reasons. I don't need to have any legal headaches. I bet you some want to
0: tranquilize the clients as much as you do the horses. I'm sorry? Do you want to tranquilize the clients as much as the horses <laughs> sometimes?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, they're very anxious. They're babies, they're getting sick, and, and, and they hurt or whatever it is, the emergency is. So, yeah, I think some of them probably could do with a little Valium when we get there <laughs> uh, because they're just as anxious, and I, I, I bet you any money any ER doctor would say the same thing.
3: I bet do, no. yeah. <laughs> so, well, stay safe, Dr. Jones.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And really, it's just getting your horse used to anything and everything. They're not too old to learn. They can. It just takes longer. And the needle-shy horses we have in our practice, we note them in our record. We make sure that there's always two people to help. You know, my assistant's always on that day. If she's taking vacation, we reschedule it to a different day. And as long as it's just a regular appointment. But those horses, over time, can get over their, their fear with some good repetition, and the client can pinch the skin and reward them for standing still and all sorts of slap the neck and, you know, that, those kind of things and reward them. So there, there's ways to get around them, and you don't need to hogtie these horses, you know, and get in their personal space and, and offend them, too. So, But, yeah, getting your horse used to ancillary things for the farrier and the vet will help out them and make people happy to come to your place.
3: <laughs> Yeah, you want to be at the place that vet wants to come. I always make cookies. <laughs> oh, my God. Can I come to your place? <laughs> Brownies. <laughs> I'm coming to your place. <laughs> Brownies and, and long conversations. I, my farrier said that he adds a half an hour to my um, my farrier appointment so that we can gab. So. <laughs> oh,
0: that's well, Dr. wonderful. Dr. Jones, how can people find you? What's your website?
2: Florida spelled out. Uh, FloridaEquine.com, and we're on Facebook with Florida Equine Veterinary Service, without the
1: S. Well, there you go. To listen to more of the Horse.com's tips, just go to HorseTipDaily.com and go to the Experts drop-down menu on the left. If you love listening to the Horses in the Morning gang, putting in their two cents on horse health topics, you can tune in to Horses in the Morning every day of the week at HorsesInTheMorning.com for a weekly fix of up-to-the-minute horse health information, interesting interviews, and news from around the horse world. You can also go to thehorse.com, where you will find a motherload of horse health information covering pretty much every topic imaginable. And don't forget, support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily. Today's podcast has been made possible by the friendly folks at equestriancollections.com. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like to hear us cover on the show. You can subscribe to all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zune and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zune, or MP3 player. You can also listen to the shows right on Facebook. The player's right there every day. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse!